What's up, guys, and welcome to episode two of Dynasty Logics. I am Bobby Stone, and I am here with Tommy. Please stop winning, D. Please, someone stop me. That's what I need, Bobby. I need someone to come stop me, right? So today we're going to look at value, right? Because that's one of the number one questions that we have in our league, right? What's the value on this guy? We get more text messages back and forth. And messages, what's the value in this guy? What's this guy worth? And that honestly, that's probably the hardest thing to gauge when it comes to dynasty. Right, Bobby? I, I agree hundred percent about that. And, and when we're talking value, right, it's a, it could be, you know, what's the guy worth? What's this guy in a trade? What's this guy worth? Um, you know, if, should I play him? Should I not play him? I mean, there's so many different ways in which guys want to value somebody. So, you know, I think today we're going to be talking about many variations of uh, of kind of values and and how we perceive uh, guys. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, I mean, the value is going to be more you know gauge on, on a on a trade perspective. Like, what's the guy worth? Which is a funny question when you ask, "Hey, what's this guy worth?" Well, well, the guy might be worth three first-round picks, but good luck getting someone to pay three-round picks. And actually, that's the biggest thing with value. Value all depends on on the league. Your league sets the value. They set what they're going to pay for stuff, um, which is funny because people say that I set a value a long time in those leagues with that second-round pick for the first-round pick next year. But, like, that was a basis. Like, your league goes upon that. Like, if no one is, no one's ever paid a first-round pick for a quarterback in your league and you're looking for one, it's probably not going to happen. Like you can look at what the value is and what guys want to pay. And there's a, you know, there's a minimum and then there's a ceiling. Like there's a, there's guys, you know, we talked about like Mahomes, there's guys who are worth, you know, way too much when it comes to value. And we talk about value, you know, we're basically talking about, as I consider assets as a, as a dynasty GM, it's assets. So that's players slash draft picks, right? They're very similar on what their value is. You know, but you can tell me, a guy told me the other day what the value of a running back was. And he might be right, but that's way too high and no one's going to pay that price. So either either he's throwing it out there hoping someone sends him a crazy off-the-wall trade or that's like, hey, I don't want to move and this is the FU price. So uh, is that is that the owners that. is that the owner saying, hey, this is where I think – my guy's worth running back, wide receiver, quarterback. And it's also understanding your league, your league format. So some leagues have the ability to trade draft picks, especially in the dynasty league. You're going to be able to trade um, draft picks might be a matter of round restrictions. It could be a matter of um, how many years you have the ability to, uh, to trade for, um, yeah, it's I know in our format, it's also position. What's it? Two it's, years? Yeah, it's two. It's two years if the safety, but it's also position scarcity. You know, like how many players do you play at that position? Uh, how many are available? Like tight ends, a perfect example. 
I mean, in the leagues we play in, it's a two tight end league. You need to play two tight ends. Having two yeah, tight I remember ends. when my dumbass traded you Kittles because I still didn't know who he even was. I mean, he, he wasn't even on. I don't even think the 49ers even signed him at that point. How, how many years ago was that, Tommy? Uh, I don't know how many years have been in the league. Five? Three, three, four years ago now? Something like that. It's an off-season, that's a random yeah. offseason move. So that's a fun dynasty, random offseason move. Pick up a guy named George Kittle who nobody knows. And you take a shot in a guy in the dark, and all of a sudden he turns into a top tip tight end, right? Well, I, I think that's – yeah, the, to your the point, value, that's – The value of Kittles in a, in, a, in a two tight end league is similar to, say, a number two wide receiver or even a number two running back. Like, that value is very similar. Like, you know, if you offered me Zeke Elliott for Kittles, I would never do that. I'd rather have Kittles than Zeke Elliott because of position scarcity. Because mm-hmm. how many top tight ends are there? Five? Four? You know, five, six that are steady every week. You know, it's not like it used to be when you had 10 or 12. Like, it's a very limited kind of market on that. So I think that has to do with value, like position scarcity. You know, also age is a factor. What's the guy worth? But it also comes down to your league. Like, what's someone willing to pay? And if you, I mean, especially if you're new to a league and you kind of want to know, you know, hey, what's the value? And even if you've been in the league for years and you text people, you know, hey, what's the value on this guy? And that's the estimate. You know, some guys don't know what the value is of what the league value is, right? They're telling you their personal value. But their personal value has nothing to do with the way your league values a guy. And that's important. Like, you can go back and look at those transactions. You can look at go back and look at trades. Like, hey, what did, what did quarterbacks trade for in the last couple of years? Like, any high price guys go like, okay, well, that's what they're going for. Okay, well, you know, maybe I'm a little high on a guy or maybe I won't trade him because, and that's what a lot of times you see. You see guys throw guys out there because they're like, oh, this is my value. Well, that's great. You can have your value all you want, but you can't move a guy or a draft pick if no one else in the league has that same value on the guy. I mean, unless you really want to overpay for someone, and that's fine. So that's that's the tough to gauge is what the what the value is. That's a question that we get on a weekly basis, all year long. What's the value in this guy? What's the value in this guy? And that, again, it's nice to ask around. That's where it goes back to knowing your league. Like, ask people. I mean, you talk about me winning titles and being on top. I still ask people value. Do I know the value? Yeah, I have an idea of the league value because I also commissioned the league, so I see all the transactions. But I still right. like to know what other people could, you know, think of the value. And values change, you know. So I, I think, I think Tommy, um, uh, whether it's a league calculator, uh, like a, a trade calculator, you could use, um, which I'm personally, I don't use nearly as often. But you can, you can use trade calculators to figure out uh, what quote unquote experts are saying guys are worth. Uh, to see if a, a trade's balanced or not, but then you could also even those even those are tough. Those trade calculators, like yeah, you're right. They're nice to like look at, but the odds are they're not going to exactly match up your league, and like they're not going to exact up you know with with your league settings. Like maybe they're set up to have you know offense only, like so they don't have IDP in the trade calculator, or they only do four rounds, or we do seven, so the value changes. So yeah, they're nice to look at them. But if you're using those calculators to a T, and again, it goes back to the league. Like, yeah, even if it matches up with every setting in your league, 
and your league never pays that price, you're not going to get that price. Like your league sets that market on what the value is. Like you could just hold strong and be like, I'm not paying that price. You know, and, and you can do that. We've seen guys do it. And I've, I've told guys who came to me with stuff and I said, here's what I'll pay. Well, I want this. I said, shop around. I'll tell them, shop around. Come back to me in a month. And they've come back to me and they're like, okay. I'm like, yeah, you, have, you, you know, everyone has grandeur. Everyone wants the most for their player. You know, so I mean, and that's honestly like, I mean, that's how it starts. When you send a trade out, like, you know, a lot of times if it's a smaller trade, yeah, you'll send it straight up, you know, maybe. But you always ask for a little, everyone asks for a little bit more, right? Because you can have that banter and, and stuff back and forth, right? I mean, so yeah, I'm sure, uh, I mean, Dynasty X Collective is, uh, you're going to hear us talk about trades almost in every single one of our episodes to one degree or another, because without trading, I mean, trading's three quarters of the fun. Um, it's, it's the best. Oh, let me ask you this: what's what's a thing in trading? What, what's a what's a rule in trading that you've learned? My uh, let me let me ask you. Yeah, I'll, make it, I'll make I'll make it I'll make it simpler. Let me let me ask you this: right, when you make a bad trade, right, and we talked about this, but when you make a bad trade, right, what's the next thing you should probably do? Trade again? You should probably make three trades. <laughs> and we see that in leagues like guy makes a bad trade and then he gets down and he's like I'm not trading anymore I've made well, a what's lot of funny trades, was... but it's volume I've made good trades and bad trades I'm like and, and listen if you make you know if you make five bad trades and two really good ones the good ones will outweigh the five bad ones because those guys could be 15 year starters I mean, we've had owners who, you know, for two years made terrible trades. And then he made one really good one. And now he's got a, a quarterback for the next 12 to 15 years. So, you know, that's the thing about trades. Guys get afraid and you need volume. It doesn't have to be big trade volume. Like, you can do small trade volume. You can do, you know, movement volume. And that's how probably you should start out is doing smaller trades or, you know, seeing what guys offer and send stuff out like, I mean, you're not going to insult somebody if you're a new if you're a new owner, you know, in a in a league, and you send, you know, garbage trades. Like we're gonna, you know, we're gonna laugh about it. We're gonna, all right, you're new, you don't know the value, and we're gonna try to help you. Be like, hey, well, this is what they go for. Here's what I'll offer. Um, and then again, you know, we got veterans who will offer you, you know, their trash pile, and then yell at you, and be like, what are you talking about? That was a solid offer. Like, okay. <laughs> and the same guy will make a great trade with you two weeks later. So. It, it it's all depends on you know owners and trade partners like this variances of values and, and again it comes back to the number one statement that we're going to talk about all the time know your league know your owners look at it. all that stuff's there in the setting especially on you know my fantasy league like you know this you can dig back and use the history transactions you can you can see everyone's moves you can tell who makes waiver moves who makes trades who doesn't you can see all this stuff so you and I both know that, and, and I think uh, it could be up to commissioners at that point who um, maybe allow history and how far back on the history they they will allow allow their leagues to go. You can, I mean, you're the commissioner, so uh, you, can, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that one. What the limitations are on uh, seeing seeing history you can go back even if you you know if you're new to the league and last year was your first year you can go back to the leagues 
original year. Say that was 10 years ago. Right? You can go back and look at most of it. Right? You can look at most of it. it. Most of it's like public. Like you can't see all of it, but you can see trans. You can see transactions. Um, you can't see like everything, but you can see general transactions. You can see records. You can see, you know, guys. You can see the draft. You know, you can see enough to give you a gauge that you know you can get a guesstimate on who people are. You can see, hey, you can look at an owner and be like, hey, what did he do the last couple of years? And you can see a guy who's gotten better. Or you can see a guy who was like really good and now he's terrible. Like, you know, you can see an owner's record. Or you can see the transactions of like, oh, when to make trades a lot or where the draft picks go for. Like so Tommy, yeah, I mean, what it sounds like, not only are you trying to figure out a way to to know your league by the person. But it's also you scouting the league as well and trying to not trying to gauge values of of players based off of um based off a bunch of criteria. So if you're going back in, what are you what are you scouting for uh as you're looking over the league? As I'm as I'm scouting for like a gauge of value on a certain player, like is that, is that what you mean? Like, what am I in general looking for? To yeah, what do you what, so? If, what what do you think this worth? Like, so you're talking about like, hey, maybe I want to move this guy, but I'm not sure, right? So maybe you post him. Maybe maybe you, you you post him on your trade block. Maybe you post him and see what offers you get. And if they're not what you thought they were, then you go back and relook at it. Maybe you were wrong. Maybe your value is too high. Like and maybe it wasn't what you wanted. Maybe you were trying to move up in the draft and you thought this piece was good enough, and it turns out he's he's not. And and, and that stuff like changes are in the value. Like draft picks are, are very are very change. Those draft pick values change, right? We agree with that. The same draft pick that you try to acquire today was cheaper two months ago. It was even cheaper four months ago. It was even cheaper six months ago. Right, a year ahead. So you get to the so draft, if you're so if you're trying to figure out what the value of, let's say, you know, it's part of part timing, right? So if you're in the middle of the regular season, a player is going to be worth more to you than the pick at that point. Coincidentally, as you're coming to the draft, your picks are going to be regarded in higher, could be regarded as, as higher assets in the draft, right? So, so how are you gauging? Uh, how do you gauge players and picks, and how you evaluate throughout the year? Well, what you just said is right because, like, during the season, the players have a body of work, so you can see, right? So you can see this guy's had, hey, he's had really good weeks. Like this guy's gonna hit. Like he's not, he's not a bust. All right, I'll trade a pick for next year because it's still an unknown next year. Like you can read stuff like, hey, this twenty twenty three draft class is gonna be the best ever. Well, that all depends if those guys are even coming out. Like, you're guesstimating. Like, so you're not going to know that stuff to the end of it. You can have an idea of how good that draft class is, and that can work in your favor. And you can weigh that. You can weigh, like, hey, maybe I dump picks because, like, this draft class is supposed to be bad, and I get out of it. Or maybe I acquire picks. Or maybe, you know, I've done the opposite, where it was supposed to be a great draft. Like, last year, a great wide receiver draft. And I traded out and traded back because I didn't need wide receiver, which helped everybody out. Helped me get value. Helped everyone get wide receivers. So you're looking at a little bit of both, depending on what time of the year it is. I would much rather, obviously, try to acquire random picks, you know, months in a year in advance. 
obviously you're not going to know the position, you know, and that, that cha- that's what changes the value. The player that you can get in July and then he goes off and Diggs is a perfect example. Like Diggs was, was, was really cheap in the off season because everyone always wanted Buffalo, whether you don't trust Josh Allen, he's erratic. Okay, fine. But once the end of October hit, he was worth three times that, right? Draft picks the same way. If I trade for a draft pick in July from your team, I'm guesstimating how you're going to finish. I mean, you could finish at one or 10. So I'm guesstimating when it gets now after the season's over. Now I know exactly what your pick is. Now I know exactly the spot. The, you pay for the known, right? It's cheaper. The unknown right. is way cheaper. So I, I was right about to ask you going into 2021 now, uh, the beginning of this season, the beginning of this off season, um, you know, have you done much work on the 2021 class? And do you think just for um, values within it, do you think that um, trades that you made last year can help you into this year? Yes. I mean, you always, you always try to like, you always try to gauge for next year. Like I'm a big proponent where if you look at my draft boards going into this year, I have extra picks all over the board, or I don't have my own picks. I have pick swaps. I mean, and I've had these for months, eight months, six months, and they're random. Yeah, do I know the spots? No, but I'm I'm kind of guesstimating because I know it's cheaper, so it's worth the risk of me trying to you know make this trade now than try to overpay for. It. And then when you know when it comes to analyzing draft picks, it's funny because like I re- I really don't dig too highly into you know, what players are coming out. Like maybe there's a class coming out and there's a group of guys, but it's like tiers. Like I'm more curious about tiers. Like, okay, like, you know, last year there was a tier of what, you know, three quarterbacks in that top tier, right? It was, you know, same thing with this year. It sounds like there's three quarterbacks in the tier. So that's tier one. Mm-hmm. And the wise he was in a tier, right? And then obviously it all depends on your roster, like what you're looking for. Like if you don't need a quarterback, then you shouldn't even have those guys on your board. Like, it's not even a matter to you where that value is. And honestly, like, the players don't matter as much to me. You're going to laugh about this. I actually try for spots. There's certain spots in the draft that I like to be in that I think are values in that spot. The history shows that usually there's players in that position in a certain round that happens to be a value spot. So... Are you are you talking end of rounds, beginning of rounds? Is that what you're hunting for, or nope, nope? It's that it honestly, I that you you're right. I mean, those positions are both great. If you can get to a top or if you can get to a top around, great. We all know that's more expensive, and you can usually gauge the guy who was bad last year is probably going to be bad this year. So he's probably smart enough not to trade his picks a year in advance, right? So that was a little bit tougher to get. I mean, if you can get up in the top tier, you know, absolutely. Um, but it, it, you know what? It doesn't matter really. You know, you want to be in the top half, right? You want to be in the middle. You more want to be in a position where you're around other owners who your pick might be more valuable to. You know, owners who have a need that might be on the board. Owners who, you know, are known to move up. You know, it, it, it's more of a position that you can move and maneuver than it is a position of, you know, chasing that value. You know, if you're looking for a spurt and spot, yeah, that one, 
you know, one ten spot that we have in our league in a ten team league, that spot I've hit on more guys at that bottom ten spot. Like that you're right, that bottom of the round is good in the first couple of rounds. Actually in the first four rounds I've hit a lot of guys in the bottom spot. And I've hit on guys in the top spots. So I almost wanted to tell you that I'd like to be in like, you know, the you know, the three to nine range or, you know, four to ten. Um, mm-hmm. somewhere where you're in a position where you can, you know, move a guy and you're not paying a lot for that pick like a year in advance. Like trying to get the guys who's the worst team in the league a year in advance, he knows he's bad. So, you know, maybe you try to move up somewhere and maneuver. It's spots, you know, it's do you want to creep up? I mean, I did it one year in one of the leagues this year, you laughed because I ended up with what, seven or eight picks in like the top forty. And all I do is pick swaps. I would make a trade and move up from the fifth to the fourth. And then make another trade and move from the fourth to the third. And next thing you know, I did it again. Next thing you know, I got three thirds. So now I'm in a good position to find value. And I don't have to chase. Like, I don't have to chase up for a player because I have, you know, value spots that you can move around that you can find certain players in a, in a tier of what you're looking for. So when you're talking, when you're talking, uh, when you're talking criteria, what are what are some of the like I, I remember we were talking about you know Tom Brady uh, last night on a on a team that's trying to they just lost their quarterback um, and they need to finish the season so that could be a factor for you to trade for a quarterback for a year but what are the factors for you? Uh, for for players is it you know age specific is it position specific uh, i think you talked about scarcity earlier so it's value it's value which is this episode is all it's it's value what what's what's this value to me and or what's this value to everyone else right and you learned this a couple of years ago from me if I sometimes you you want to make a trade right, and you want a certain player, but you can't get that player because the, the deal doesn't match up with you and the owner. But there's always another way, and I tell that guy, I tell, you know, to guys, and they don't believe me. But Tennessee is like you know, chess, right? It's not one move, right? So what ended up happening is you trade for a valuable piece that you know a couple of owners like, right? You don't like it, but you know a couple of owners do. Now you take that piece you traded for, and now you package it up and trade for the player you were trying to get originally because you did almost a three-part deal because it's an asset. It's what the value of that asset is. If you're trying to move something to require something else, I mean, if it's for you, I mean, you're looking at two parts. Like if you're, you know, if you're a guy who's trying to win, you're looking at, okay, well, is this going to help me win? Or is this going to help me, you know, build for the future? Because there's basically three steps. Like when you look at a player, right, it's, is he going to help me win now? Is he going to help my future? And what's his value? Right? Because the value helps if you want to get out of the player. Right. So if you're looking at the... If you're looking right now, um, who are your top... If you were to look at wide receivers... I don't want to say the top wide receiver tier. Who's your tier two right now? The tier two of like a dynasty wide receiver in general. Ooh, that's a that's a see that's a tough one. That's a tough one. All right, well, let's start off with the the first wide receivers. 
Well, no, you know what? Oh, we'll go with the second one. So the tier two in dynasty aspect, I would put I would put more veterans, not guys who are older, but guys who are a little bit, you know, not as young as some of the say, you know, Jefferson and Lamb and stuff like that. Ridley, like they're not as, you know, you could in a tier two, like maybe you put like a a, a Keenan Allen or like an Allen Robinson, right? Someone like that who's not old. But they're not 21. You know, they're like 28. Right? They're still very valuable. But Dynasty, you have a shorter window with them. Right? So that puts them probably in the second tier. They're a top They're a top receiver. Absolutely. But in Dynasty value, it might take a, you know, a tier two value down because you have a shorter window, depending on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to win now, then that's fine because you'll have a couple of years with them and even rebuild them. Like, you can look at that as like, you know, tiers of players. It's like a big drop off sometimes between tier one and tier two. Even wide receiver. Wide receiver is really great, but this is a big drop off. Well that and, and, and it's funny you mentioned that because I think this is where things are gonna get, you know, slightly interesting because you have wide re- excuse me. You have wide receivers that are um that have outperformed their expected numbers for the year. Uh, but for some reason, I don't think – do you put um, Calvin Ridley ahead of Mike Evans? In a, in, a, in a dynasty league, and by the way, usually wide receivers, more of them – don't meet their expectations on their so-called projections, which we can't stand, then actually hit those projections. But most of the time, those projections are a little too high. And your answer to your question is yes. I would absolutely probably Ridley over Evans because of the age difference, you know, because, but they both have, you know, different variance factors. I mean, there's both factors, both those guys, you know, team differential. They both have another wide receiver there. They both have aging quarterbacks, but they're talented receivers. You know, so that's uh, that's, that's an eighth tier. All right. Well, how about I'm going to give you three wide receivers. Yep. Amen. Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, Allen Robinson. Oh. All in tier two. All tier two. All tier two. All very so, similar guys, except for Robinson. Robinson. Robinson is a, is a is a steady player who's a little bit older. He's not what's he 27, 28, probably something like that. But he, he I think he's twenty. You know, a, guy, a guy like Robinson would be a guy if I'm a I'm a playoff team. Maybe I acquire Robinson if you're rebuilding. Robinson probably is the guy you want to take. Does he have years left? Yeah, he's probably got you know four, five, six years left. Absolutely. But like, how are those back years going to help when you get to that run? It's probably not. You're probably better off taking a risk on. Uh, you know, it's funny because he's way safer than than McLaurin or Moore, who are funny both get volume, but the the quarterback plays is sloppy right now. Slop. All right. Even the Bears. Well, I'll give you. I said Robinson's sloppy too when I say that. <laughs> so I'm gonna. I, I like this. Uh, you got. Um. I mean, as we know. Diggs had one of the best years fucking ever uh, for actually his best year 
happened this past last season. It's hysterical because I was high on him forever. Uh, and he was just too damn erratic for me. He goes to another team and and they fed him the ball. Man was hungry for almost 1,500 yards this season. Um, but you've got uh, – would you consider Cole Beasley, Tyler Lockett, and Cooks? You know, would you – I would consider them. I don't want them on my roster. That's what I would consider. <laughs> you so you wouldn't want nine hundred nine hundred yards, seventy receptions, ninety receptions, eighty receptions on your roster. Let, let me let me let me let me rephrase that. I would like them on my roster, and starting four wide receivers, I would like them as my number six receiver. I would like Lockett as my number six guy, right? Cook mm-hmm. maybe my number. You know, lock at my number five. He's my number one backup receiver. I'm I'm all down with that. Beasley, okay. if he's my number six or seven, I'm like I'm fine with that guy. But he's, you know, he it's another one. Like Beasley was great for like you know long spurts, but then it's like all right, on and off, on and off, and they have you know a bunch of weapons like that. Um, and again, it comes down to preference. It comes down to you know some. Certain guys like certain guys. Like there's certain players. Like you know, I'll talk about it all the time. Like it's dynasty, so you keep these guys. If you don't like the guy, like even if he's good and you don't like him, like you don't have to have him on your roster. Like you just you can move him. Like okay, maybe you lose in a trade, but you're happy. You're not staring at this guy who drove you nuts, or you know maybe you personally don't like him because he did something, or you could you have those personal, you know, tears and I have those personal tears. I mean, those receivers you just named are erratic at best. I mean, they're, I mean, Lockett's a guy who gets you 40 and then gets you like six, five, four. And you're like, wow. Well, I brought them up more than anything. Those are names that you would think are, you know, could be top 50 guys. But if anything, you're thinking they're, Know, bottom, bottom thirty-five. Those guys I just mentioned were in the top fifteen for the year. Now, granted, it's a small scale. I'm only looking at this past season, so you know I'm trying to put it into a vacuum. But you know, I would still want a C.D. Lamb, a T. Higgins, or Deontay Johnson. Then the aforementioned Cooks, Allen, or Cup, or Anderson. Robbie Anderson was another one that was that was up there that um, that we didn't mention before. So, um, yes, but you're looking. So when you say that, when you actually just say that, you're saying that from a rebuilding standpoint. You're saying that because, like, and again, those guys that you named off. I mean, Robbie Anderson was an exception. He had volume, deep targets, um, and it was a it was a one year, so it's tough to gauge on. You know, is he going to do it again? And again, erratic play on that team. No McCaffrey, so you just really don't know about that. But the other guys you named are all you know rookies, basically. Those guys are all up and coming that you could have for 12, 15 years. Yeah, we know we all like those guys. Yeah, exactly. But it depends on the direction you're going. Like, if you're rebuilding. 
you know, yeah, why are you going to go out there and, you know, try to go get a guy like, uh, you know, a Tyler Lockett, who I like, and I, I have him my top 30. Absolutely, he's a top 30 receiver all day long. But if you're rebuilding, why are you going to go acquire a Tyler Lockett? Like, he's not going to help you. It's not. But do you want, so, um, you know, Julio, you know, granted injuries and. Win, win now. He's a win now guy. Yep. So I, I think what we were just doing, going back and forth with me just naming you guys and kind of getting an understanding of um, kind of the, the different factors that are at play. We were talking about age. We were talking about, um, you know, what your position is for your team, whether you're rebuilding or uh, or win now. I, I think those are a lot of the different factors that are, going to be at play and if you're you know you you better do what's best for your roster ultimately and what, what you can afford i mean those receivers that you named off like they are different values in our league like they're worth differently like i mean you know you might look at it and say robbie anderson and t higgins had similar numbers like robbie anderson maybe had better numbers but there's no way that the t higgins owner is going to take robbie anderson for him straight up like it's just not going to happen because of the dynasty factor because of you know that's and that's the big difference but if you can't afford that price for t higgins then maybe you do go acquire a robbie anderson like maybe you take a chance on a, on a cheaper guy and another guy you just mentioned who's maybe had a drop off and this is where you might find value in wide receivers like a cooper cup because you mentioned mm -hmm. right volume and then he's been erratic right and you can blame that or whatever if you blame it on golf well you could probably get him. It's funny because I wish I kind of like tried traded for him a week ago, but I probably get him a little bit cheaper. But even now, you probably can still get him, you know, cheaper than you could have a couple of years ago, right? Would and take that risk. So it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned that because this is one of the factors that we haven't brought up is uh is uh and this is one of my favorite parts about the off season is where players land, right? So. Stafford is now now a Ram, you know, cups. I, I would imagine you're on greens that value actually up. Yeah, I would say so, yes. Um coincidentally, you know, you're gonna be seeing the free agent frenzy in March. Where everybody goes, you end up watching to see what positions open up because you might be looking at players who are starting to emerge that could be valued within teams and on depth charts or where another player has moved to. So, um, you know, Robbie Anderson going to Carolina last year and Teddy Bridgewater, now all of a sudden you have. Um, you have a brand new chemistry and McCaffrey was injured have, I mean, the whole season for Christ's sakes. So, um, so a lot of different factors are at play at all different points. And it's just a matter of how close to the pulse you are on, on, on your league, pick on your, the players. Pick your, pick your poison. I mean, there's a risk reward with that combo thing. And the funniest part, I'm going to ask you this question, right? So you, you agree that Cooper cups value went up. 
right? Would would Stafford on that team? One hundred percent. Okay, one hundred percent. So let me ask you this now: Do, What happens to Kenny Galladay's value? Does it go up? Does it go down? Does it stay the same? Now that Goff's there, I I honestly feel as if it's going to stay the same. I actually agree with you, so thank you. But I was just curious because those are the two biggest wide receiver affected. I mean, Robert Woods always gets you know his numbers because Robert Woods great possession receiver catches everything. So I don't think he's you know gets affected either way. But those are the two receivers who do get affected. So you're right, like a a trade like that does get affected, and this is a game. Like, but I'll, I'll tell you another person that goes up though. Who? Higby. Higby goes up. On the Rams? On the Rams. No, I don't think so. You know? I disagree. Stafford has the has Stafford was has never really been a huge tight end guy. I mean, look at look at look at Hawkinson. Like last year, you know, yeah, I know he was a rookie, but he didn't get a lot of volume because Stafford doesn't usually throw to the tight end like a lot. I mean, maybe it was the Lions offense, but they've had so many different coaches that I can't see it's the offense. I can see it's more Stafford where it's that's not somewhere he looks. That's not like one of his first couple of reads. I mean, this year, yeah, he was better, but they were so decimated with injuries at the wide receiver position. I mean, they were calling guys up the street to play wide receiver. I mean, so I mean, at that point, he's like the only guy I know and he's reliable. But like you look at he, in, in history, he doesn't. Even a guy like Tyler Higby on that team, you know, he's, you know, third, fourth on the pecking order of, like, seeing the ball, probably fifth. I mean, the running back's going to see it. The two wide receivers are going to see it. And maybe even one of those, you know, they got, like, a Van Jefferson there and Reynolds. They see more, you know, one of those third wide receivers see more volume and targets than Higby does. Um, so I think that's, you know, kind of one of those. It, it could work in that factor, but I don't see it because he's not a guy who, you know, throws to him, which is funny because Rivers – was a guy who throws the tight ends. And what happened to Indy? He threw to three of them. And he threw to three of them at a huge volume rate. And the target share was ridiculous for those tight ends. So a lot of times I think it's certain quarterbacks more than the system because of how they look at the reads. Yeah, imagine if Ebron was still there for one more year. Although he, uh, you know, as he went. So to your point, Ebron's a guy who was in... Detroit didn't necessarily get fully utilized, but he also had his own problems. Just to Indy, couldn't really, they they didn't utilize him nearly as much. And now all of a sudden he goes to Pittsburgh where he's going to have the ball thrown to him a little more often. Um, and he actually ended up doing pretty well this year. All things considered. Again, you just validated my point. Like, Roethlisberger is a guy who's been thrown at the tight end since Heath Miller, right? I mean, Heath Miller used to get at least, like, four to six targets every game. Like, there was no question about it. Right? So he was just a quarterback. Sometimes you can see that. Like, sometimes, you know, those are those are a lot of variances that we're going to talk about that I've seen over the years, like, little things like that. Like, okay, does he throw the tight end? I mean, and we've talked about it. Like, you can see it. Some teams don't run that way, or some teams do. But you can see it. Look at the Patriots. Another perfect example. Like you could say, oh, they always throw the tight end. Really? Is it the Patriots, or was it Tom Brady? Because Cam Newton didn't throw any tight ends. They weren't good, but he still didn't throw to him, and he had no one else to throw to. Like, it's almost like the quarterback. I'm like, that's where you can kind of see that sometimes in tight ends. Is probably one of my secrets, how I can find value in tight ends. 
because I can find either offenses or quarterbacks who throw a little bit more to that position than other you know players slash teams do. Um, no, and and I think that's extremely helpful, and I think those are going to be things over time that people are going to actually find value. Actually, with us as well, there's going to be those those hidden gems that that we end up talking about um, and finding the patterns that are not necessarily um, that upfront. You know, I think you over the years you've uncovered different patterns that. Uh, I'll give you one. Aren't... I'll give you one right now. Right. One of the best values you can ever do for a trade, and if you ever want to take a smaller risk, right? Trade for a guy who's on the move, right? Trade for a guy like last year it takes, right? Because honestly, sometimes it doesn't pan out. Guys move to teams, they're not good, right? Sometimes you overpay. But I'm like, most of the time, if a guy moves to a team, most of the time, you could probably get him a little bit cheaper than he was because of the unknown, is he going to match? So if you were going to buy you know, a guy at a value and take a risk on someone, it's almost someone who moves. And Diggs' example, because he, he was a big wide receiver move last year. Um, and the same thing is like similar, like, and I'll give you another example. If I was going to take a shot and I needed a quarterback, I would go try to take a shot and, and I'd, I'd go, I'd get Goff. I would absolutely take a shot on Goff in a new offense. Absolutely. What does it hurt? If he busts out, fine. No worries. Cause you can get him for, you know, less than half of the price he was two years ago for starting quarterback who has some possible upside to it. Right. So, I mean, that's that's the variance that you see. Like, you can get guys that are value and take a little more risk in the offseason with the movement of players around. So, you can do what you were talking about, where a guy leaves, you can find the backup or a guy who's up and coming. But what I'm saying is, you can almost look at the other way where where did that guy move to? Who owns him? Maybe he's not happy with that where he went and he can be down on this trade and I can get him for less right, than I would want to pay for the guy and take that risk on a guy. Right. No, I think those are all great points. Um, so, 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 buttons, you know, so I, buttons. You can always find those trends. You can always find those trends. I mean, you, you laugh and, and people laugh at me because I'm like, I, I see it more visually. It's the small things. I see the little things and I remember them and I just, I just remember those things over time and you see them. And are they useful? Sometimes not, but sometimes they can help every once in a while. You can gauge, you know, where a guy is. And, and the unknown. But those are those things. The unknown is always cheaper. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can absolutely see that. And you know, I've been on, been on both sides of the spectrum. I think we all have of the buying or, or selling guys that have have moved, and you know. Sometimes you, you think the guy's going to pan out somewhere. They don't. And sometimes you don't think they're going to, and then they do. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to getting a guy like Goff this year. Just off, of, just off the fact that he could be, um, could be, he could still very easily be productive, especially with guys like Holiday um, and Swift. You know, so Let I, 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 let's let's specify. I wouldn't I wouldn't go get Goff as my number one quarterback, right? I'm not. We're not saying, oh, right? Okay, but if he if he if you if you need a number two because your number two guy is Brady and you need a younger number two guy or you are or you don't have a third guy, 
yeah, absolutely. He's worth that. Could be, you know, a very solid, you know, quarterback for you. That's that's worth worth that risk. Abs- absolutely. I mean, you could use him as number one if you wanted to go out there and acquire, you know, two good value plays. Like maybe you take a shot on him. Like, you know, there's guys who you could get value on and take that risk on. Like you could take a risk on Jameis Winston right now. Maybe he goes somewhere. Maybe he starts those Saints Breeze, Taysom Hill. You know, the value for those guys are going to be cheaper now than it became the starter than, you know, last year. Like Cam Newton. Cam Newton, when he was a free agent, you could get for half the price before he signed with the Patriots. You take that risk, he was going to sign somewhere, but that risk is, is way cheaper than it's going to hammer you. Like, it's half the cost. And that's where, like, we, you know, we talk about, like, trying to be... Let's follow that trajectory take, for a second. Not take risks, but, like, those risks are, 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 are cheap enough to not destroy your roster. So let's follow that trajectory real quick. Beginning of the offseason, you could have gotten for cheap, cheaper. Signs with the Patriots. We're obviously talking about Cam Newton right now. Signs with the Patriots. Surprisingly has a nice, a decent start with the Patriots. So his price goes up a little bit more now that he's with the Patriots. And then the rest of the off of the rest of the season happened and his value just fucking tanks. Yes. Yes. And that so that's another random variance of where the value changes. And almost you know, and I play this game all the time in Dynasty where like, where's the point to trade a guy? Like if you're ever if you're moving a guy, if you're not if you're not moving the guy, you don't care and you like the player and you believe in him, it doesn't matter. But if you're looking at him as an asset and possibly moving him, you know, gauging of where his highest value is. You know, if I had Cam Newton last year, I probably would have traded him right when he signed with the Patriots. I probably would have traded him in like August before he took a snap, right? I definitely would have traded him in October, right? Because then you're like, oh, he's going to get better. He's going to be worth more. And then all of a sudden the bottom falls out. So now you you play that game. Like, you know, sometimes you buy a guy because you really like him and he has like, four good games and then you never hear from the dude ever again. You're like, okay, well, you know, that was the, that was the risk reward. And you take those risks, but you want to take those risks at a cheaper price, a huge discount. If you can take a risk at a discount, you know, that's fine. That's the risk you want to take in dynasty. You want to play safe, but that those are the risks that I've taken over the years is the huge upside with the low floor of my loss. Like if I'm losing a couple of bench players, if I'm losing depth or mid round picks, I can I can deal with that and it doesn't destroy you know my championship roster. Right. Uh, makes that makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. You know, so that's where you um, what the value is, and, and you play that flip game. Plus, it's fun. You play that flip game, and I've done it for years. You you get you get and guys are always worth more. Like the draft pick, right? Is 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 funny because the draft pick's kind of worth more. Until you know who the player is. And then it could be the opposite. Because like during the draft, you might see that same player who was picked at number two go for more. Because you liked him more than the number two pick was worth two weeks ago. The number two pick before the guy was taken is worth a ton. And then once you take the guy, it's 50-50. Like, because now is the guy worth more to other people? And again, you're still unknown because you're taking a rookie and you're trading for him. So you're still doing the unknown factor at a... At, at, at a cheaper rate. I mean, that's we'll, we'll talk about you know draft strategy and, and stuff like where I, you know I've told you in the past like volume. But guys in my league laugh. I'm like, 
we have a seven round rookie draft with 70 picks. I have an average of 12 picks a year going into the draft. Volume. Volume. They're not always high picks, but it's volume. It gives me flexibility. It gives me fun. That's what Dynasty is all about. You be a GM, you fun. Like, unlike, you know, other things, like you can make mistakes. You can make a bunch of random trades, but you can make up for them. You can trade guys away and acquire guys. Because whatever you trade for and whatever you move, you know, asset wise, there's always a guy who likes somebody. Like, there's always a guy who, who likes the guy that nobody likes. Like, there's always, if there wasn't, then nobody would want to play because everyone would have the top guys and everyone's like, I don't like any of these dudes. Right. So, you know, there's always different opinions on stuff like that. It's just, you know, how you want to make it more fun for yourself. You want to, you want to move around. Do you want to be an active owner? I mean, some owners don't like that. Some owners don't like, you know, some owners have told me that, like, they, hey, they don't like the pick swaps and the creativeness I get with draft picks. Okay. That's fine. You want to keep it simple. Hey, that's fine. If you want to have some fun, you want to move around, you know, play with things, see how you can, you know, gamble, you know, on a, on a player or on a pick position or on a team in the league finishing worse a year in advance. Absolutely. Go ahead and do that. You know, we have, you know, a spectrum of owners. I play with multiple owners who've done two different things and three different things who are different breeds and they still produce really good teams, you know, with those same results. And that's, that's what's you know great about it because you're going to have those differences of what guys see and what guys do, and that's that's what we're all talking about. We're just talking about weird stuff that I see that I've picked up that like, you know, I for years didn't think a big deal of it, and then literally nonstop people are like how I'm like, and it's stuff that I see like that's simple. It's stuff that I just see that's simple that's out there, and sometimes it helps, and sometimes it makes it easier, and sometimes it makes it fun. A lot of times it's fun. Actually, all the time it's fun. Well, I, and I think that's that's why, I mean, we talked about it in our last episode and we'll keep talking about it. One of the reasons why we love to love to play the game um, is, is simply for the fun of it, loving the game, loving the actual sport of football, never mind uh, the other bit where shit, it's it's exhilarating to watch your watch your team go from worst to first or I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen that yourself. Have you ever been worst and needed to go to first? I did it I did the second year in that ten minute men league actually. I did it on purpose because that was a we drafted that league and I had a three year build in mind. And I was the I was I was well I was the worst team in the league, which I kinda drafted that way. And then year two, I won the title. I ju- I jumped, I jumped where I wanted to be, but I built kind of that roster where, and I and I jumped it. But what you're missing out on is like the best thing is what you're looking forward to when you do these moves and you and you see the production is you want to be right. Like I point this out to guys in the league all the time who come up short, they don't win a title or they don't, you know, they don't produce enough, you know, because they have injuries. And I'm the biggest backer of people in our leagues. Like, hey, you were right about this guy. Like, hey, man, you really. You know, stack this position. You should be you should be happy with next year. Like camp short. You know, I I recognize that. Guys should recognize that too. Like you hit on players. Like in our draft, you know, guys want to hit on every single pick. It's not going to happen. It's not. It really isn't. So when you hit on a couple of guys, like you shouldn't be mad about the couple of losses. Like you should be like, hey, I was right. Like that. Honestly, that's one of the biggest thrills I have, and it's one of the things I love is when I can see something. And I can share it with someone else and say, I'm glad that helped you. Right. And the same thing is where I do it to myself and I pick up a guy or make a move and people are like, what did you see? Logan Thomas, right. In the spring of last year, perfect example. 
what did you see? Random, right? I saw the talent that I knew years ago from the guy, and I took a shot and kept him on my roster and that kind of, you know. But that was the thing. Like, did he help me? Yeah, absolutely. But even if he didn't, it was the fact that I was right. It was like, oh, cool. I hit on a guy in free agency in the offseason. Like, I hit on a guy on a draft pick, you know, Antonio Gibson, like the fourth round. Like, that made me more happy. Honestly, the Gibson pick, you know, is is similar to where it's like, okay, it's just as exhilarating for me to hit on a guy like Gibson in the fourth round as it is to hit on Herbert in the second round, right? Higher draft pick, but same exhilaration because I, I end up hitting on a guy who a lot of people either were down on or didn't know or, you know what I mean? Like, you make right on a trade because nobody liked a guy. Like, that's the exhilaration that, honestly, that I enjoy is, like, those things that you can do and you can see and you were right. And you, and you were like, hey, I, you know, maybe I didn't win, but like I did this right. And I did that. And that was cool. And maybe I know about this. Maybe, hey, I've hit on tight ends for three years. Maybe that's my my specialty. I'm the tight end whisperer. So maybe I should get tight ends and then try to trade them. And that's my thing. And you can stack positions. It's great. That's why there's so many different strategies. Like, I mean, and I took up Logan Thomas when I had three of the top 10 receivers, tight ends in the league. I mean, you know, I already had I already had a loaded tight end roster at that point anyways, and I didn't even need them, but I saw the talent, and it was worth the risk for me in the offseason because I had roster spots. But that's the joy is to hit and see something when you were right about, right? It's the same opposite with trades. Like when you make one bad trade, when you make five bad trades, the one good trade makes up for it, right? When I make five bad moves and one really good move, that one good move makes up for the five bad ones. Washes them all away. Great. Makes you happy. It's like, you know, hitting your last putt on the 18th hole from, you know, 15 feet out. Hey, that's a really good day. You might have just sucked probably the other 17 he holes. You probably shot a buck 10. <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's, it's why you do it to you. It's why we love we love. And I think that's a... Uh, think this this past episode has really helped everybody understand what it is that we're trying to uh By trying to show is that value is everywhere that was the perfect reference because that's a reference i use when i talk to people about golf i like golf I'm like i can play golf i'm a decent golfer but i play golf for the shots like honestly i could i could score really well i could score really bad why people ask like how do people play golf like how do amateurs you know regular people just go play golf. I don't get the joy out of it. I said, it's those couple of good shots, right? The same transition is it's like you said, it's that one putt, you know? And I'm like, I tell us all the time to people, like I can go to friends of mine, like five years ago. I'm like, remember when I drove the green on four? He's like, Oh my God, that was insane. I said, what'd you shoot that day? I don't know. He probably beat me by 15 strokes. He doesn't know what he shot that day, but he knows the shot I hit off the tee box. Like it's that one moment, <laughs> oh, like me losing, and maybe I lost. I probably, I probably bet him. I probably lost money. I lost, I, you know what I mean. I probably lost him in the round. But what does he remember? We all remember the one good thing, not the three bad things, right? It's the same thing in dynasty. Like that's what you got to have. Like, you know, those are like the little joys that you get when you can hit on a guy, and you know, you could be right about about something else and make up for the wrongness. You enjoy the love of football. You want to listen to me ramble on about weird little things that I see here or there that could help people. You know, they've helped owners, which is funny because, you know, the the knock on me used to be, I used to have like secrets and I would tell people, I've literally shared my blueprint with almost everyone in the league who asked me. Everyone, Bobby knows this. Anyone asked me, 
I'll tell you straight out. I'm like, here's where it is. I'm like, here's what it is. I'll tell you exactly what I do. I'll tell you the position I look for. I'll tell you the guys I look for. You know, maybe not. You know, I'll tell you 98% of it. You know, I'm not going to tell you, hey, I'm looking at this guy in the draft specifically. I'm not, you know, that, you know, that blatant about it. But I'll tell you what I do and I show people. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's like me, you know, hey, this is what I do. Like, this is what I've seen. This is what Bobby's seen. You know, this is what works for us and works for our league. And it's like crazy weird stuff like that. Like, you know, maybe you're like, I didn't even think about like a guy's cheaper, you know, when he's on the move in the off season that he would be, you know, before or afterwards. Like, I wouldn't think about that. Like, and, and, that, and that was the thing. Like, Cooper Cup, you know, is a perfect, you know, example where his, you know, value changed. You know, he's probably a little bit more expensive this week than he was last week. Right. So, like, you can find that little niche value and take a risk reward on it or look at it, or honestly, don't do anything. Like, you can just sit there and follow news and, and patiently wait stuff out and, you know, see where it goes and look, you know, long term, short term. And it's great because you can just hit a friend up and, like, talk football randomly in, like, March, in, like, April, and have a full blown, like, hour long conversation. People are like, what are you guys talking about football for? I'm like, it's all year long. It's dynasty. It's all year long. It's great. It keeps us involved. Keeps that you know. Keeps that fun going. And that's you, you, you're damn right. And speaking of an hour, we're about to hit our market mark there as well. So, uh, I mean, let's uh, let's table this one. And what are we going to be talking about on the next? podcast on what do you think Ooh, that's gonna be that's gonna be a good one. we i mean we can go all kinds of broad perspectives i mean we can go draft strategy you know what we'll keep this one a surprise you know i gotta it, it'll it'll still be on the off-season format you know we'll just you know we'll throw some more stuff out there that you know we've seen that can help in in the off-season that you might look at that you might not because like we'll mention you got time. Like you can play with guys. You can shop. You can do so many things right now. It's like you could just, you could, I could destroy a roster this month and make that into a championship roster in the next eight months because I got the time to do it, you know, and the fun to do it. All depends, you know. We'll see what Well, I the best part about this is we're going to actually be talking about um, different moves throughout this whole process. You know, we'll probably bring in two, uh, into, the show different examples that you know shit we've already done it i'm sure we'll be doing it again uh, uh on this off season as we talk about moves that we're doing uh moves doing throughout we'll grade it and see you know talk about it and see where it goes but i'm like you uh, i'm looking forward to the rest of the uh this off season it's gonna be great everyone everyone is better than the last right can't be worse than last year anyways <laughs> can't be this is something all right. All right, Tommy. Hey, good talk tonight. It's always, always and we'll great. be uh we'll be doing this again. Later. <laughs>